Lock and Load. Nobody knew who the hell he was. Or have lived in a Muslim-majority country. I know because I am one of them. How's that hokey-changey stuff working out for you? He's now our president. He's our president. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on Earth. Taking back America, one listener at a time. This is the Bella D'Angelo Show. That's the signature of this show. And I can't believe we we got this, Mitch. The Honorable Mitch Berg from 1280 The Patriot joining the show tonight. And I'm hoping that uh, I can uh, somehow convince him to join me on a regular basis. We used to do uh, a show back-to-back on Saturdays back in uh, 2015. How are you this evening? Doing pretty good. Uh, I always love coming out to the, the, the far northern burbs and have that smell of competence and prosperity that uh, you just don't get where I live in St. Paul. It's kind of a nice change. <laughs> I, li- I live in Rena Moran in Sandy Pappas's district where everything stinks and is awful. And uh, coming out here to, uh, I don't know if you, you tell where your undisclosed location is, but let's just say it's in a red district out here, just yeah, there's happiness. You can people leave your car out on the street without having to worry about getting jacked. <laughs> I'm driving through the streets without uh, any any hardware uh, ready to go. This is actually kind of nice out here. I could this would be a place for a vacation. Though. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me out. <laughs> you know, I I'm from actually West St. Paul, and your description of it, I. Boy, St. Paul, Minneapolis has changed dramatically. It, you know, it has changed dramatically. And it, the worst thing about it is, I mean, I've lived in St. Paul. I've lived in the same house since probably the early 90s, right? Going on 30 years now. And I was there during the worst of the murderapolis years when crime was as bad as it is today. But the thing that's worst about it, the thing that's, I mean, back then, crime, the murder rate was pretty much the same as it is today, maybe a little worse. But if you remember, I don't know if you remember back that far, Bella, because you can't possibly be old enough to remember the 1990s, but the... Uh, oh, suck up right on the spot. I can't be old enough to remember the 90s. How old do you think I am? I am curious. And just oh, let me ask like, like, like I'm a rookie. I would never answer that. Give me a freaking break, D'Angelo. No, I mean, just, I was, I was yank, yanking your chain there just a tad. But, you know, the, uh, back, at, if you remember the 90s during the Murder Apples years. Yes, I do. Crime was really, really bad, as bad as it is today. But the big difference was everyone who was in charge in the Twin Cities back then agreed. Even even the mayors, well, Norm Coleman, obviously one of the good ones, but you had uh, Sharon Sales Belton running Minneapolis, and she agreed that crime was a bad thing and public safety was a good thing. And the leadership, especially in Minneapolis these days, does not. They believe that public safety is a privilege and the criminals have as much right to apply their trade as you and I do, maybe more. Uh, I mean, that's that's the big difference right now. Back then you had a sense that the adults were in charge and they were going to try and do something about crime before it got to you. These days I have no such assurance. So that's how it's changed, Bill. I don't know about your, your two cents worth, but there's mine. Well, I can say this. Uh, and, so we're going to touch on a couple of things tonight. We're going to talk uh, waltz at the fair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can hardly wait. This is going to be fun. We're going to talk about uh, Jensen and Burke. And then we've got the Biden hate speech. And, uh, I, you know, my my point of view on all of this is it's just simply imploding on them. And, and it doesn't, they don't have an answer and it's really a perfect storm for both Minnesota and the country to be able to take control and put adults back in charge. I certainly have to hope you're right. But I, and by the way, I'm a small town rural Scandinavian. I grew up in rural North Dakota. So pessimism uh, comes with the dirt from the dust bowl that was still under the floorboards when I grew up. Okay, there's a little bit of that in me. So I tend to think pessimistic first. That way, if things don't completely go to hell, I'm pleasantly surprised. So let me start with the reasons to be pessimistic. You remember the primaries a couple weeks ago, right? Correct. The Democrat turnout for the DFL turnout in the primaries was huge. Uh, to borrow a phrase from uh, President 40, uh, 45 there. It was a huge turnout there, much, much more than the Republican turnout. And that is conventionally wisdom says, conventional wisdom says that's a bad sign uh, for the Republicans. Right? The Democrats are turning out people in biblical numbers for the primaries, then, uh, we, th- then we've got some serious work to do. So w- 
we established that up front here right now. Yes. I, I went into this week not feeling really good about the Republicans' chances here in Minnesota. We'll come back to nationwide in a moment here. And then uh, Governor Waltz, uh, or as I affectionately call him, Governor Klink, <laughs> uh, had the week he just had. Now, I don't know if you want to describe the week he just had or if you, if, if you would like me to take my shot at it here. No, please do, because I, I were you at the fair? Did you no, 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 no. I haven't, I'm not going to go to the fair till maybe Labor Day. Actually, I will be volunteering at a booth on Labor Day, so I haven't been yet. But I've, I've heard all about it. I was following the, the, the tweet storm on the whole subject here. And, and Governor Waltz, I mean, he, he starts things off by saying uh, that... That uh, uh, what was it? He, he had two real howlers. First of all, that uh, that te- the kids, the average kid in Minnesota missed maybe ten days of school. Which, he actually said that. He said that in as many words. It's a direct quote. Talking with with uh, yeah, talking <laughs> live from the, the from the from the stage. He said maybe ten days of school, which was which set an awful lot of people off, just completely howling uh, about, you know, they're, I mean, I have a granddaughter. Yes, I'm too young to have an 11-year-old granddaughter. Take it up with my son and his wife, uh, who were very young when they had her. But that being aside, no, my granddaughter did not miss 10 days of school. She was at home through the whole last half of 2020 and most of the first half of 2021, uh, probably more like 10 dozen days at home. And this was in a not completely crazy school district. I'm not going to name which one. But this was a less insane district than, say, Minneapolis or St. Paul or Bloomington or some of those other uh, cra- crazy districts that are even more run by the teachers' union. So, no, and, and this just got people howling. I, I don't know if you're familiar on Twitter with a woman named Ann Bauer. No, I don't. But I, when, so when he said yeah, yeah. they only missed 10 days of school, did somebody hurl something from Nobody, head. well, people hurled a lot of irate responses at him. Like what? I want to hear him. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you go on social media, people go, are you sure about this? This is completely nuts. I mean, it got, it got fact-checked uh, all up and down. He appeared on the Esme Murphy show. And of course, you know Esme Murphy from Channel Four. You've 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 run across her before. Yes, right? I have. And and her interactions. She's one of the one of a number of uh, reporters in the Twin Cities where when they interview a DFLer, it's the you kind of get the picture that she's painting their toenails on the air. It's like a girl's slumber party, even if it's a boy. And Tim Waltz, you can just imagine her giving him a shoulder rub and making sure oh. his tea is topped up. I mean, I'm speaking figuratively, <laughs> not literally here, but you listen to it. And in the meantime, if he's interviewing a Republican, Carrie Miller from NPR is like this too. They sound like they're prosecutors at the Nuremberg trial going after uh, after like an SS general. Uh, they, like they're going after a, a war criminal. Uh, it is, it, the, the difference in tone is just so stark it will give you whiplash if you let it. So, uh, Esme Murphy says, yeah, our, your our little remark the other day has gotten a little controversy nationwide. Nationwide, do you think? People nationwide are looking at this remark. Waltz uh, saying, yeah, he uh, yeah, kids missed 10 days of school and going, are you out of your mind? Where's the bleep? But I don't, I'm not going to worry about the bleep. Are you out of your There you go, mind. Uh, and 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 then later he goes back on Ismay Murphy and says, "Yeah, no, that was that was taken out of context. I was just talking about 2021." No, you weren't. You were talking about kids in general. Uh, and then he then he starts defending his record during the riots. I don't know if you heard that. No, I I literally I you know I've been out in the Dakotas. Oh and, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Out yes, where yes. things out where things are relatively sane. Well, you remember? I don't know if you were around during the riots two years ago. I don't know if you. I were. was here in the Twin Cities. Yeah. Uh, the very first night, I said that this was going to set a precedent. Oh yeah. And yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, and I and when they allowed the precinct. To burn. Oh, yeah. I said, this is going to send a signal nationwide that this is going to be a response that is going to be now normal. And I was pregnant in my um, assertion because that's what happened. Yeah, it was. And by the way, I scooped the entire Twin Cities media on that story at my blog, shotinthedark.info. I had a contact at Hennepin County uh, uh, Emergency Services who called me and said, yeah, he's been hearing from cops who are being told to evacuate. They're turning the building over basically as a as a, as a door prize for the you know, to, to try and, and make the, the, the rioters feel like they've accomplished something so they'll maybe go home. Well, 
it's not the way rioters work. Uh, but yeah, no, he, uh, he, he did that. And he spent two, three days, because the riots started on Tuesday. Yeah, and and went through Wednesday and got worse and worse and worse. I think it was the Wednesday that they that the news broke about the evacuation of the third precinct. On Thursday, after the precinct broke, people, as predicted by well anybody with two brain cells to rub together, Bella, started kept saying, "Hey, we've got one precinct. There's four more to go in Minneapolis plus St. Paul." That's when the riots came to St. Paul. I don't know if you know me, St. Paul, or if you know me, especially Bella. Uh, the night of the riots. Uh, the, the nearest burnt building to my house that got burned was three blocks away, a uh, wow. pharmacy that I've been going to for 20 odd years uh, in my house. So I actually walked down the street uh, that afternoon to try and scout my routes out of the neighborhood because I knew that they were going over the target down university. I know that yeah. it yeah. started like outtakes from Black Hawk down in my neighborhood. There's so many helicopters overhead, so many sirens. I was just I, I was working from home at the time. I thought, ooh, stuff is flying down there. Stuff is uh, how they say is getting real down on University Avenue. I love that button, by the way. I need one of those on my regular show. So, uh, so yeah, the nearest yeah the nearest place to me got that burned was three blocks away. The guitar store I've been going to forever got looted out and set on fire. Um, it was just crazy. And uh, Governor Waltz. Spent the whole, for those of you who haven't heard it, Governor Waltz spent the first couple nights going, well, you got to have a plan. Got to have a plan before we send the 19-year-old, he called the National Guard a bunch of 19-year-old no, cooks. Bur burger flippers or something. Bur well, cooks. Cooks, cooks. and bakers. Yeah. Cooks yeah. and bakers, which some of them certainly are, but they still have military training. Anyway, anyway. Uh, and and he, he basically played these passive-aggressive bureaucratic games like he's working at the DM flipping V uh, and arguing about your tabs. Only this is about calling out the National Guard to go into Minneapolis. And this is the part, the, 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 the part that blew my mind. Uh, day after day, into the three days, nothing happens. Not a single boot is on the ground. The Minneapolis police is getting kicked around like any other Minneapolis sports team. And God bless them. But they, they got caught flat-footed. And a lot of them will tell you that as well. But yep. I've talked to them, to a number of them over the last couple of years. But... It wasn't until Donald Trump, the president at the time, threatened to send the regular army in, which is completely preposterous. I mean, there's all sorts of legal thing, hoops you have to jump through to send the regular army in because of posse comitatus. You don't get to use the regular army to, to do regular law enforcement. But it didn't matter. Trump said, yeah, no, we're gonna, I'm going to send the 82nd Airborne to Minneapolis. And, and suddenly something lit a fire. Under, under little Timmy's ass. Under Governor Klink. And... Um, I'm sorry, did I call him Governor Clink again? I can't believe it. That's so disrespectful. And suddenly. Well, I call him Jimmy the Tyrant with the icky milk breath and the sticky fingers flannel boy. Now, that's getting personal. I've been calling him, naming after Colonel Wilhelm Clink from the epic uh, comedy Hogan's Heroes works just fine. You're the host of your show. You call him whatever you want. Uh, that's, that's the official term on, on the Northern Alliance. But at any rate, it wasn't until that night. And, you know, so Friday. Finally, they got a hundred guardsmen out. Still not enough. Um, I gotta say, it's one of the only times I can ever say I'm thankful politically to live in St. Paul because after Mayor Fry gave that deer in the headlights press conference on Thursday night after the third precinct burned down, the police chief in St. Paul said, "Yeah, no, we're not giving up anything. Uh, we got behind the count today, but we're going to go out and smack some heads around." And by God, they did. So, yeah, Chief Axtell. Did Fry say something? About his confidence, his confidence level was low, something to do with his hairstyle or something bizarre. Do you remember that? I don't know about that, but the th I was watching the press conference live at like one in the morning, and some, unbelievably, a Twin Cities reporter says, said, what's the plan? And Fry's, and Fry's looking like he hasn't slept in three days. He probably hasn't, and his hair is still perfect, but nothing else is, because, you know, whatever. And he says, plan for what? It's like, what the... Do you think the plan is supposed to be for you? <laughs> Genius, you plan. Well, we're doing this. I, I get a little frustrated to this day, as you can probably tell. <laughs> I just wanted to grab him by the scruff of his little neck and just go, you're the mayor of a major city. You, 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 and you're completely, and he didn't, didn't get a pulse back. He just looked like he'd been gone a couple rounds with Michael Spinks in his prime until some reporters said, so what do you think about President Trump's uh, tweets? And suddenly just like 
suddenly he goes a backbone. He's like, yeah, no, I'm the president's completely wrong. So, oh, now you know who the real enemy is here. Right. Your, your real enemy is not the rioters who are going after a neighborhood of primarily uh, African-American, Latino, and, and immigrant business people, East Lake Street and, uh, and University Avenue. No, no, his real enemy is the president at that point. Uh, but, you know, so, yeah, the National Guard didn't actually come out in significant num enough numbers to do anything until I think it was the Saturday of the riots. And then things started to, to calm down a little bit, but they, they just, the governor dawdled around for days and days. And he has spent the last two years trying to cover that up. And it's, it's, it's finally starting to come out and, and little, little bits and pieces of the wheels are just starting to come off. He's had a very bad week at the fair, let's just put it that way. Uh, and I, could, I couldn't be happier to see it. And by God, the Jensen-Burke campaign needs him to keep having bad weeks like this because got to tell you, Bella, I'm worried about that campaign. I, I wish him, I support him. I wish him all the luck in the world. They're going to need it the way things are going right now. Well, let's, okay, so let's, uh, let's hear about this bad week of Timmy's at the fair. I mean, I, I, I would think that he would be in his prime of of reminding everybody how he saved Minnesota and how how he's going to turn the economy around and and fuel prices and and you know he's going to restore law and order and he's going to bring hope and optimism. What is old Timmy spouting about over there? Well, there? he's been spouting about how good the kids are doing. And as if, I will give this, I will give this much to to uh, the uh, the. Jensen campaign, the Jensen Burke campaign, they came out, or whoever it is behind the Waltz slide, uh, Waltz failed campaign at the fair, which has a booth and has been flying around with a banner in the air saying Waltz failed. Uh, they've been sticking them up on a bunch of things. They released the math, science, and reading scores for Minneapolis students. I believe it's, uh, I, I think it's sixth grade standardized tests for meeting, or maybe it's 10th grade. Yeah. Anyway, standardized tests for Minnesota school students, and they have been, since 2018, they have been in free fall. They weren't great in 2018, but they were first world respectable. I mean, reading and math was above 50% back then, and uh, science was somewhere in the 40s statewide. I mean, yep. forget about uh, forget about Eastside St. Paul. We're, we're talking statewide. They were mildly embarrassing, but respectable for a state that loves to yap about its wonderful education system. Four years later, 2020, well, yeah, four school years later, those numbers are down by, now I don't say 20 points, but a fifth of those numbers were gone. I mean, they were, instead of being above 50%, they're down in the low 40s. Uh, they, had, they had lost 20% of wherever they were. I mean, the performance of Minnesota schools has been disastrous. And for all of his yakking, him and, and, and Flanagan's yakking about, about uh, bringing safety back to Minnesota, uh, the violent crime rate is still on par with last year, which is just about on par with the mid-90s, which is just about on par with uh, the gangster era in the 1930s, which is the worst era of crime in American history. We are on par. Uh, if, if we have another bad weekend or two, we are on par to tie uh, last year as uh, one of the, as the worst of the last 30 years here in, in, in Minneapolis. And you can't not say that, that that's on him, or at least on the DFL, because where is the crime happening? I remind you, in 2016, when, when crime hit its uh, trough, there were 30 homicides in Minneapolis and 91 in the entire state of Minnesota. We're going to have nine, over 90 in Minneapolis alone here this year at this rate. We're on track to, to and we were, we were, I think, 92 last year, which is one more than the entire state had in 2016. And who has been the governor for, the, for these last seven, uh, eight years, uh, six years since 2016? Who've been the mayors of both of the cities where these, these murders have been overwhelmingly concentrated? I mean, you show, I don't want to see, keep saying St. Hans here, Bella. Anybody listening tonight who's been listening to this show for as long, I finally have met my match. I am finally. Oh, do tell. Come on. Let's, let's, I, I want to hear from you here. <laughs> no, I just, um, it's, it's just a lot of fun to have you, Mitch. Um, the, and, and the thing is I've been primarily a nationalist. And so okay. I'm still trying to figure out Minnesota, Minneapolis, St. Paul, 
Um, the way that I look at it, though, my optimism, when you talk about your pessimism, my optimism is this. When I looked at, in 2020, the amount of support for Trump, you know, I was telling somebody when I was out in the oil field, there wasn't just one Trump sign. Right. There were like 15, 20. Oh, driving and, across North Dakota is awesome that way. Yeah, driving across North Dakota, you you, you have that feeling you click, you're among the same people. I know. I drive up to my mom's place in Minot, and there's like, in the middle of Foster County, there's this 25-foot-wide, 8-foot-tall Trump sign in the middle. And this is a district that voted Trump probably 95 to 5 in the last election. Yeah, no no doubt. I, I'm... no. Trump is going to, whoever the Republican is, is going to bounce the rubble in North Dakota. It's not even going to be close there. Well, and but I was, and then you look at Minnesota and in 2020, I mean, the massive outpouring for Trump and leading up. So prior to tonight, you joining the show, we've had May Lohr, we've had Tom DePel, we had Mike Sharp, um, all of these, uh, Cicely Davis, all of these uh -huh. candidates that are running in really key seats in campaigns and they're really seeing optimism that they may win in their districts now i want to talk about so wallace having this horrible week yeah and you said that um jensen and burke weren't exactly hitting 100 either what's going on with those two guys because you know here's here's the here's the my, my quibble and by the way i'm i've had quibbles with jensen for a while now and I also think he's running a great campaign, all things considered. Don't get me wrong. I think he's running the most enthusiastic and probably best managed campaign I've seen a Republican run since Tim Pawlenty in his prime. And that's saying something. Uh, I've seen a lot, a bunch of campaigns since then. So I think he's doing a, a good job. Um, I think he started off on the wrong foot uh, in 2018. Uh, being behind and supporting a number of gun control bills. Yep. That being said, his run, he's probably run somewhere to the right of Ted Nugent on guns ever since this campaign started. I mean, he's got he's made some promises that if he is elected, he's going to have to deliver on, and I and I think he knows it, which is good. Which is good. Uh, here's the thing. I think that um, I think I think he has. This is a tough one, but I think he has. Uh, hung his hat on, on a bunch of national issues like whether the 2020 election was or was not stolen that I don't think it matters to a lot of people who are already in the Trump camp and perhaps in the uh, the a certain part of the Republican camp I don't think that's going to be the vote that that swings the soccer mom uh, in Roseville, not Roseville forget about Roseville in Shoreview or Eden Prairie I I don't think that's going to be the the, the issue that solidifies a vote out in Prior Lake uh, that might go either that might be on the fence right now. I mean, Minnesotans tend to vote for incumbents here. What's it? What's it take to get someone away from incumbents? Not arguing about the 2020 election. I mean, important as that may be, that's not the kind of issue that that people are going to get up in arms enough to about to change their vote in, in mainstream Minnesota. You may disagree with that. I may see it very things very very differently, but. I, I think your average suburban soccer mom that is you know, on which so much hinges in these elections is more about kids being kept home from school, which, by the way, I think Jensen's right about, about the crime that they have to get, deal with when they try and go downtown, either downtown, which I think Jensen's got a better shot at than, than, than Waltz. But I think he I think he may have gone down a rabbit hole early in the race, uh, one of a number of rabbit holes, the gun thing the the election thing i think some of his stances on covid they turn out to be right in the long run but they've probably gotten a lot of people the dfl has managed to frame him on that issue whether he unframes it or whether the framing is wrong we'll find out but i i think that's that's the, the that's the things that i'm concerned about when it comes to jensen the things that i'm enthusiastic about when it comes to jensen was he had a very good week at the fair You've been, I did the Waltz failed campaign, got a lot of buzz going. Uh, the, the state fair is when Minnesotans start actually paying attention to elections. I mean, before the state fair, the only people who care about state elections are people who go to caucuses, people who go out to primaries, which is about 10 to 20 percent of the voters. People start to make up their minds about now. And I, I think, I think, like they say in sports, I mean, you don't want to peak too far before the playoffs here. I think you know, with a little bit of luck, Jensen peaks now and for the next couple of months here. 
Uh, that's that's my big hope here. Is that, that, that would make it a big upset win if he, if he can manage to peak and catch the imagination of a whole lot of middle Minnesotans who who are tired of relitigating 2020, uh, the 2020 national elections, but really, really, really are concerned about the 2020 COVID response, uh, not being considered an essential worker, having their kids uh, trapped at home for months on end. Uh, if he can get out in front, overcome the media's inertia and desire to uphold the DFL and, and get around that and reach people, I think he has a chance, but it's an uphill fight. So I always said that, you know, this, um, this COVID thing is what was going to give us all an opportunity. First of all, when, when a state is in crisis, it shows the true leadership of those in charge. Oh yeah. Yeah. So instead of in, you know, and all along the way, I mean, from, Walsh's, do you remember the fishing opener when he said that only family members could be in the boat and yeah, only yeah. put enough gas in to drive to whatever? Yeah. I mean, and the insanity of it. I mean, we're a different society yeah. because of COVID. And now nationally, you know, you're talking about um, you know, you're talking about the the grades and the decline in our children and our schools. It's on a national level. Oh yeah. This isn't this isn't us just trying to get people to 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 pay attention and say, you know, this really happened. This is on a national, yep. it's on a state level. Yep. All of the um the insanity of the vaccines and the um the deaths and the harm of the vaccine, uh, you know, the truth of COVID that is coming out. People are aware, people understand, and people are fed up. And that's why when I'm hearing, so we had um, Mike Sharp on last night. Mm -hmm. He is running for um, Senate. And what he said was that what he's hearing when he's door knocking, Democrats are fed up and tired with the bullshit that the, excuse me, I didn't even hit it fast enough, but it is, the, with the crap that these people are trying to feed us without actually talking about policy and change and the three things that they're most concerned about, the economy, law, and gas prices. Yeah. And they're not delivering answers. And so yeah. I'm not surprised that Waltz is sputtering and getting his rear handed to him because he doesn't have the answers and he doesn't have the policy. And yeah. so instead, he's just trying to run around in circles and hand us a bunch of crap that well, we know isn't even true. He's trying to deflect to, uh, and, and, and by the way, I think this is... I think this is an optimistic thing. Him and Flanagan. And by the way, you'll notice how Peggy Flanagan is front and center in all the ads. I mean, without the progressive base, Waltz is toast. If the progressive base isn't out in cataclysmic numbers, uh, Waltz is toast. I'll give you that much. That's why Peggy Flanagan is in every bloody ad and every TV spot, every TV hit that they do. Peggy Flanagan is right there. Boy, is there a more irritating figure in Minnesota politics? Well, yeah, there are several, but Peggy Flanagan's right up there. Uh, so they're deflecting to abortion and abortion. <laughs> and... Yeah, no, I mean, that's, there's not much else. That's that's pretty much the only thing that they're, they're trying to keep their base from defecting right now. You, you can see that there's a little bit of concern out there. I mean, I mean, Angie Craig has been running ads in, in the 2nd Congressional District, uh, the opposite corner of the metro from here. Uh, she's been running ads since late March, early April, which is not the sign of, a, of an incumbent uh, that is supported by more money than God that, uh, that that is feeling really confident about the numbers. I mean, she's been running unopposed TV ads for going on three months now. And that's the sign. So, so there's some optimism there. I'll be optimistic about the second CD. Uh, of course, um, the, the amount of money that's going to come flooding into that district is going to be absolutely biblical. But they're going to need it to, to, to win that district this year. I'm, I'm confident there. But you're right. They are deflecting like crazy, which, okay, you want to follow the national scene? You want to get back into your wheelhouse here? Sure. That's what's happening this evening as this is being recorded, uh, practically as we speak here. The president, President uh, Brandon, uh, <laughs> given up uh, trying to defend Build Back Battered and is is deflecting the nation to, and, and you can see this coming. I will, I, I'm not hearing the speech right now. I'll probably listen to it on the way home. Yep. 
but uh, he's talking about the soul of the nation. I've been writing about this at my blog, Shot in the Dark, that info the last couple days. Because I've been noticing on social media this this constant drumbeat of the 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 the, the, uh, the Democratic Party's chanting point bots on social media are calling Republicans fascists over and over and over again. And 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 this is this is should be a little bit scary because of course what is a fascist? Well, someone that our grandparents invaded Europe and killed and dragged to the negotiating table and beat the fascists out of them. Uh, so what is it that people are supposed to do with fascists? Beat them up, kill them, eradicate them. This is not the way you talk about people that you're trying to coexist in a society with. These are not people that you consider a free association of equals that you have to try and engage in self-government with. No, these are people you're trying to subjugate. And this has been a constant drumbeat for the last couple of weeks. You've got uh, Karen Jean-Pierre, uh, the press secretary, referring to um, Trump supporters as fascists. You have, I've I, I shot in the dark that info. There's a long list of social media tweets in one of my posts on the subject earlier today, just this long list, almost almost identical references to Republicans being fascists. And of course, the president called us semi-fascists, which is their way of deflecting away from that economy. I was just, I was just gonna go down that road. So yes. they went from trying to convince us we are not in in a recession. The inflation is is actually low. Unemployment is low. The gas prices are down a buck. Then the economy is strong, and then you know Mar-a-Lago isn't going to go anywhere. And so right. now it's why don't we attack the American people? Well, not just the American people. A certain set segment of the American people, uh, Bella. And what segment are we talking about here? The 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 half roughly that voted for Donald Trump Correct. or uh, the, the ones who, 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 who people are trying to, to, uh, to persuade to support him and above and beyond all that, Donald Trump himself. So what, what are we deflecting to over this last month? Because we don't want to talk to Biden, uh, President Brandon and his crew do not want to talk about the economy. They don't want to talk about gas prices. They don't want to talk about Afghanistan or uh, giving away the deal to the Iranians or any of these uh, the foreign policy disasters, one after the other. They want to talk about abortion and they want to talk about fascists. And what is the thing that, that every, I'm not going to use the F word, the fascist. I mean, because that one's been De deprived of all meaning long ago, long before President Brandon uh, appropriated it last week. I'm going to use the term authoritarian. Okay. And you've read the book 1984, right? Yes. By George Orwell. Yes. Uh, I'd like to make that fiction again, but what is it that totalitarians and authoritarians do uh, to, to uphold their power? They deflect away from their weaknesses to some mutual boogeyman that everyone has, the fascists. Uh, or 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 the other some boogeyman that you can rile up your people against because you certainly don't have your own record to to fall back on here you don't have any accomplishments so you have to have a boogeyman the boogeyman is anti-choice people anti-pro-lifers and the fascists that are all the nice broad selection of everyone who votes against Joe Biden is. A fascist, which means on the same moral plane as the people who stuffed people into boxcars 80 years ago. And that that is the, the most cynical, disgusting deflection there is, saying your fellow Americans, the people that you're supposed to try and have this free association of equals the Constitution talks about with, uh, are the equivalent of Nazis, are the equivalent of are the are the equivalent of the, the black shirts of Italy. Uh, there, there is, that's, this is not the way you talk about people you want to have a civil society with. And they are, they are going straight for... Wait a minute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so wh where did we all get off? Uh, this was, remember, um, Mr. Uh, <coughs> President Brandon, he was the great, um, he was going to bring us all together. <laughs> and so, so this is, this is Hilda Beast's deplorable moment yeah. brought on by President uh, Brandon. So when when everything else is failing, you might as well just go and attack oh, yeah. the very base that I believe that they know that not only are they in trouble, yeah. but 
who do they even have? I, you know, I don't think they even know who they even are going to have to try in 2024. I don't think they do either. That's a, that's a great observation, by the way. Uh, by the way, by the way, the, the other observations about the authoritarianism is uh, what do authoritarians do? They have no concept of the rule of law. And so, yeah, you have an FBI that is acting like uh, like it makes up the rules as it go, goes along. They've been protesting for the last couple months about a Supreme Court ruling that pushed the Supreme Court from the 1970s back inside the guidelines that it's supposed to operate under. So it's not legislating from the bench like they did in Roe versus Wade. And so you've got people say, well, let's let's get rid of the Supreme Court. Or let's pack it so it, it conforms to our will. This this chucking of the rule of law while trying to demonize half the American people. This is straight out of authoritarianism 101, which is why on my blog, well, the thing that's probably got me the most national attention at shotinthedark.info this last 20 years is something I wrote called Berg's Seventh Law of Progressive Projection. And that is to say, whenever you hear, and I, this, I've gotten so much national attention over this little, it started out as satire, it started out as Babylon B material, but Tell me if it doesn't sound like it's absolute truth sent down from Mount Sinai. Whenever a uh, whenever a progressive dings on a conservative's or a Republican's respect for morality, truth, or or um, or ethics, they are at best uh, deflecting and at worst projecting their own uh, their own actions onto you. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like this last week? Does that sound like this speech that's going on most likely right now as we speak, Bella? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Because they are in they're in full panic mode. They, they, they sh here's hoping that that's, that's all it is. Yeah. I mean, they, here's hoping they're panic. I mean, it's by all rights, this should be a, a walk, not a walkover, but a big time wave, at least in the House. And hopefully in state legislatures that, that we fell back a little bit in during uh, the, the 2020 election here, hopefully. I'm nervous about holding the Senate, to be perfectly honest. But if we take back the House, it's all good. But, uh, yeah, we're there. I don't, I don't know if it's say they're full-blown panic mode, but they're certainly in damage control. They're pulling on this, the strengths they do have, which is a subservient media and a national law enforcement uh, apparatus that essentially serves the Democratic Party's wishes at this point. It needs to be abolished, and if not abolished, cleaned house. <sighs> so this is why I have to hope that this red wave talk uh, surpasses my pessimistic expectations and does give us a Republican majority in Congress and a couple of years from now, a, Rep a Republican president. But that's why the other deflections coming to what's what's the one thing that that Democrats hate more than Republican voters, Donald Trump, <laughs> and get making and that's that's why I, I saw Mar-a-Lago and and I saw all this fascist talk and I thought ooh they're trying to make Donald Trump the big story if people are talking about the Donald when he's not even up for election for another two years if people if Republicans are talking about Donald Trump now. The Democrats are living rent-free in your head, and you should really start charging them for it. Or better yet, kick them out and focus on the prize that matters right now. Donald Trump, love him or hate him, is not the issue this time around here. Do no. not let the Democrats no. uh, gaslight you into thinking about Donald Trump more about your, about your gas bills, your kids' uh, mental health, and the crime that is sweeping this metro area. Don't let them do it. That's why they're doing it. So let me ask you. Sure. So, by the way, I'm sorry I'm hogging the microphone here. I feel like I'm, I'm running my own. I, you, you put a talk show host in front of a microphone, they're going to just start talking. I mean, I'm sorry. I'll but that's the, no, that's the beauty of why I asked you to join the show. Okay. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been doing this show since 2010. Yep. Uh, I, I'm still trying to find my way back onto radio one way or another. Mm -hmm. And the only way that we're going to hopefully advance this show that direction is to continue to advance the listenership and really up the level of, of the quality and the, and the quantity and, and what we're bringing to the show. And that's why I reached out to you. And that's why I'm so happy and pleased that you're you're here and oh, thank you yeah and you fixed our technical issues but the thing so let me you look at uh where we're at where we're headed and you know even some of the guys out in the oil field so i went out friday to williston 
and I had this ma amazing opportunity with a very, very large uh, global company that I've joined. Can't mention the name, but um, huge opportunity. Cool. The interesting thing is, back in the day when I was in the oil field, all I ever heard was, it doesn't matter, there's no hope, Hilda Beast is going to be our next uh, daddy, and it doesn't matter. Right. Yep. And and for from 2010 to 2015, I never gave up hope because I believe in the American spirit. I believe in Americans themselves. I believe that since uh, Obama went into office, we went from a society and a country that truly believed that it didn't matter if you voted or not. We were a complacent um, society that really just perceived the Republicans and the Democrats as who is the lesser of, of two evils. True. So when Donald Trump came down the escalator, and I'll never forget, I was in Norman, Oklahoma, trying to hang on working in the oil field in a sales role. I remember excitedly calling my friend, uh, Wilson, and said, I knew it. I knew it. He was going to throw his hat in the race. By the way, I originally called Sean Hannity in 2009, which is what started my radio career. Mm -hmm. In September of 2009, I called into the Sean Hannity radio show. Many, many people have heard this over and over, but I don't think, Mitch, you've heard it. But I told Sean Hannity on air in 2009, September, that we need to get down J. Trump for president because I wanted a business person. Yeah. What Americans saw was somebody that could speak to us as a human being right. with policies and a campaign that spoke to the real issues of what we were struggling. Nobody ever actually went into office and followed through with the policies and a campaign that did something for the country and then spoke to us as if we're sitting having a beer. I'll never forget when he said to Hillary that he was going to lock her up if he was in charge of the Justice Department. Mm -hmm. I know that there were so many blue-collar Schmitzmont liquor beer drinkers that said, hell yeah, I'm going to finally vote. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Now you, take, now you take this administration that has not only completely destroyed everything of the four years of Donald J. Trump, went from supposed to be the great... Uh, you know, bring everybody together, old, you know, old President Biden, just a moderate, and, you know, mm -hmm. he was going to restore all these things, and now mm -hmm. they go from trying to flat out lie to us about no recession, low inflation, uh, blaming the oil companies for the cost at the pump, now, because everything isn't working, so now they're going to just turn on half of the country, and none of this is going to work in their favor. I believe it continues to build that red wave because people are tired. People are fed up. They don't want to hear the president of the United States calling us fascists yeah. and just and and turning on the. We've never seen other than when Hilda Beast threw out the deplorable statement, which that totally imploded on her. What in the world do you think is going to happen when this? Brandon is on a national stage calling half of his country and voters fascists. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I could not agree with you more. And the, the <laughs> that's one of the things I said in 2018 during the really bad midterm that the Republicans had, as, as usually happens in midterms during a president's first term. I said, watch for the Democrat. I mean, take heart in one thing, because it was a really bad midterm for the Republicans. It really was. And I said, look for, especially here in Minnesota, I mean, we had Tim Waltz win for crying out loud. And, uh, and we got, well, we held on to the states, uh, to, the, to the Senate at least. I mean, we prevented a complete disaster, but I just said, watch out because there's nothing a progressive can do uh, but, but overreach. When they get anywhere near power, they are like, they're, they're like a crack addict with a, with a, with a found gold card. They, they can't help themselves. They're going to go out and use it. They're going to go use that power. And they've been overreaching like crazy. And, and 
I think that's re resonating all the wrong way with an awful lot of voters. The 30% will vote Democrat no matter what. But I think you're right. You're an awful lot of people out there in middle America should be a little bit scared about what's going on out there. And yeah, when they are calling us fascists. And by the way, after 20 years of saying, nobody's coming for your guns, silly person. And then they say today, yeah, they are in fact coming for your guns. Wait. Uh, well, oh, the president, the president, first of all, uh, President Brandon, in his campaign website, said he wanted to, wanted to ban the AR-15. Uh, so, I mean, he was planning on coming for your guns. Not all of them now, perhaps, maybe, but certainly those guns, he's going to come for them, which means uh, Katie bar the door, they're all open. So, yeah, if you're a gun owner voting for uh, President Brandon, you're nuts. You need to stop. You need, if you, and I... I do treat the Second Amendment as a litmus test. Any government that doesn't trust its people with the right to defend itself should not be trusted. Uh, and I don't. So not that I was ever going to trust Brandon and the people that are <laughs> pulling the wires on him anyway. But uh, By the way, who do you think is actually running Biden, Brandon? A, a group, I know, I, I don't like to get too much into conspiracy theories. I stay away from conspiracy theories because I keep hearing, oh, it's Obama or it's Jared or Jared or Valerie Jared or it's uh, Soros. It, and and I, quite honestly, my opinion is it's just a huge, massive amount of incompetency. I, I think I think that there is a I think there is a consensus among progressives that gets filtered through. Take your pick through through any number of people through Obama through Jarrett through through uh, any of the other uh, high Mike Donna Brazel for all that matters, uh, and it's supported by the likes of Michael. We know it's supported by the likes of Michael Bloomberg and George Soros and Tom Steyer and the other plutocrats with deep pockets, including. Alita Messenger here in Minnesota, who's the, one of the youngest children of the Rockefeller family and has been pouring millions into doing the same thing in Minnesota that the, the other crowd's been doing nationwide. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, the, 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 anyway, from your mouth to God's ears, here's hoping here. Uh, and, but on the other hand, my concern is that the Democrats know that invoking Trump now is going to tear a lot of Republicans' energies away, especially casual Republican voters, away from what really matters right now, which is the economy, which is gas prices, which is education, which is crime, which is our de declining standard of living, which is the fact that we are going to be sucking pond water to heat our uh, houses this winter. I mean, the, Brandon's got to thank God that the election is in November and not January, or he's going to lose the whole northern tier of states. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not even looking for, I, I can't even imagine what's going to be like for people who don't have the resources to pay this winter. Good God, can you imagine? I mean, national, natural gas is up uh, hundreds of percent. And natural gas is what makes everything north of Kansas livable in this country. Uh, so you're going to have uh, about 15 states out there that are going to be seeing their standard building, living just go completely up the, and that's going to get ugly. So good thing the elections for uh, you know November, good for for Brandon anyway. But uh, I will give this to you here right now. Uh, you were an early adopter on Donald Trump. I just something soon we're talking about about nationwide stuff. You were the last time we talked politics is probably 2015, and I was thinking. Uh, I, I think, well, Donald Trump, that's 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 an optimistic call. Yeah, you were right. We'll give you that. I, I have been a non-Trump fan since two, uh, 1985, 1986. Non-fan of Donald Trump, purely socially, purely personality-wise. A lot of different ways. I just thought he's just a big talking loudmouth and he's in this for publicity. The same thing as a lot of people thought. I will say uh, he surprised me greatly in office. I kind of sided with Dennis Prager when he got elected. Or when he became the nominee, I thought, okay, well, here's something. Cross our fingers. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Then he won. It may be the closest thing I've had to an acid trip. Seeing <laughs> live on the air that night. I was on the air with Brad Carlson that night. And when we were doing the math as we're talking live on the air. And, and when I saw Wisconsin go for Trump, I thought, well, that's it. He clinched. And I just felt, and I said on the air, I, I literally couldn't talk. Uh and I, and I, the only thing I could say, I can't, I, I'm on talk radio, you got to talk. So I got to say something. <laughs> just like, I feel like someone slipped LSD into the cucumber water here at the uh, Radisson Blue. 
And I'm just like, my head just like, I'm just feeling like I'm floating detached from my body for a moment. What the hell happened here? And he outkicked his coverage in my mind so far. I mean, I figured if we got one or two good Supreme Court justices, I could put up with all the rest. And not only do we get three great Supreme Court justices, all the rest wasn't that bad either until the election came up. And I don't know if you've got a connection with Donald Trump that I don't, because I certainly do not, Bella. But if you can tell him to stop yakking about getting reinstated to the presidency, which does not exist in the United States Constitution in any way, shape, or form, we just have to get a word in with him about finding something else to bang on other than this whole getting reinstated to the presidency. Can we do that, Bella? I would love to, because then all of the tin hat conspiracy theory People that reach out to me all the time tell me it's going to be next month. It's going to be three months. It's like, no, oh, no, it's not. God. All right. So you're not one of them. Good. I no, have to clarify that. I am not. Good. No, I, I, I just believe I have optimism in the midterms. Yeah. I believe that the reason um, Trump continues to do his rallies is because then he's going to announce his uh, campaign right after the midterm. I listened to an interview of Jared Kushner basically being flat out asked what his father-in-law was going to do. And Jared said he is painfully watching this country being destroyed. Yeah. And I also believe that uh, Trump is a divine intervention. And I, and I say this because in the Bible it says, when man humbles himself, God will heal his land. Okay. We are seeing this real battle between good and evil in this country. Yeah. We are also seeing a juxtaposed from four years of greatness, American exceptionalism, nationalism, to the most destructive, destroying, incompetent administration. And we've never lived during this time, and I know many people that listen to this program saying, I've heard her say this before, but I want to say it to Mitch because he's new on the show so that we can follow down this road that I'm going, is that mm -hmm. when Donald Trump can campaign in real time, next to this complete incompetent uh, administration, mm -hmm. this is going to be a campaign like we have never seen. It's not like Donald Trump is trying to remind us of what is happening to us in real time. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, now, can you just hear Trump? What is, how is he going to spin uh, Brandon calling his own people in his own country Fascist. You know, here's hoping that he sticks to asking that question rather than some of the other questions that he talks about. I, I will say this. Donald Trump's first three years and 10 months were among the biggest surprises I've ever had, right? The yep. first, first three years and 10 months of his administration were like, whoa, that was not what I expected. I mean, yes, he should, someone should have like slapped his hands when he picked up his phone at two in the morning to start tweeting. Okay, some of, that, some of his tweets were completely uncalled for. And on the other hand, he's also crazy like a fox that way. So I'll, I'll give him that. He, he he became a president. I did not. So who am I to tell him? But the whole, the, the whole thing from election day on, delegitimizing the election, losing us the Senate by delegitimizing, trying to delegitimize the Georgia Senate election, which cost us God knows how much uh, agony over this last, uh, if we'd have had, uh, that that uh, that extra Senate seat in Georgia, uh, things would be the deficit would be a lot lower. I I have faith, and a lot of the the, the problems and pain we're going through right now in Congress would not be happening. So that last three months of his administration, from the eve of the election through the inauguration of 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 Mr. Senile, um, the president, the, the current president. Just, I'm still, I'm still kind of reeling from from that. It's just like he he had so much going for him, and he probably and he still does, as you point out. He still does have a lot going for him, but there is some baggage involved in that that is going to make an awful lot of people who are not fundamentally Trump believers think twice. I have to. I'm concerned about that greatly for 2024. How about you? I. What is the big, you, you think that they're going to have the concern that, what is the concern that they're going to have in 2024 of Trump? Oh, that he's, uh, that he, that he, uh, he's still arguing about the legitimacy of the election, that he has never really uh, distanced himself from the January 6th riots, uh, whatever you want to say about them. There are some who say it was an attempt at a coup. That's complete 
there's no way a bunch of uh, people uh, waving uh, <laughs> uh, theatrical swords around are going to uh, are going to overcome the Secret Service. Like, hey, they were going to try and hang Mike Pence. No, they would have uh, folded up like a Minnesota sports team in the pen chase. Uh, if they had tried to go after the Secret Service and go after Mike Pence, don't give me that. No, I mean, it was it was not a coup. It was a stupid riot by a bunch of people who uh, were exceedingly misguided. And I would love to see the president put that whole thing in a proper context so that at least the people who are thinking about what's good for this country can move on and win the election in 2024, because God knows we need to win this election, uh, both the congressional and presidential elections in 2024. This nation is really on the brink of oh, horrors I don't think we can imagine. Here's what I think. I think that just like locally here, the reason why some of these, a lot of these anti-establishment um, business owners that have decided to run in these, you know, Cicely Davis, former yeah. former Democrat, running up against Elan Omar. Elan Omar barely won her primary. Yeah. Cicely told us on this program about the same thing that Mike Sharp said: Democrats are fed up and tired. Oh yeah. So when you have common sense Democrats that are fed up and tired and walking away from their party, yeah, I believe the same thing that's going to happen that happened in sixteen. I, I, you know, I run around and talk to a lot of people, and after the 16 election, I had so many people that told me they'd never voted before or secretly admitted to being a Democrat and voted for Trump. And when you talk about January 6th and the reinstated and all those things, I don't think that that's going to be in the forefront of people's minds. Why? Okay. Because we have, you know, this isn't just elevated gas prices. This isn't just elevated inflation. People are seriously making big decisions in their life based on the cost of living, mm -hmm. whether or not they believe that they're going to have a job. I myself personally have made some very big decisions based on just these facts alone. I think what's going to be what is forefront in the minds of voters is going to be economy and jobs. Mm -hmm. And even Democrats have kids. Yeah, yeah. Democrats, they're worried about the future of their kids. And I think what happened, because this incompetent administration came in so fast and so far left and so radically and so quickly destroying everything, mm -hmm. that it's shaking the core of a lot of people. So when Obama got in office, yeah. there was a lot of people that didn't say anything, but it started to bother them. Just the name alone, Barack Hussein Obama. Then they watch all the anti-Americanism. Okay, mm -hmm. but it was hard, and you know this, Mitch. It was hard to get people to fully understand what exactly he was doing because it was stealth in the way that they were doing it. It was oh, yeah. a slow drip mm -hmm. towards the American people and the economy, and it wasn't as front and center as this administration. And as quickly as this administration is destroying, they are also not hiding for what they feel about this country yeah. and they're lying about everything. So you've got jobs in the economy, you've got energy, okay? Trump taught us what energy independence was. Mm -hmm. Trump got the American people to understand drilling, the importance of oil. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a, a girl that worked in the oil field, going back to the oil field, and I will be able to share a lot of stories about the oil field. Then you've got law and order. It's not just on a local level, it's on a national level. Mm -hmm. Those are the three things that are going to be really important. And Trump is very smart yeah. and he is very good. You know, just like he minimized everybody in 16, gave him funny little names. Well, you know, he's going to minimize President Brandon pretty quickly. Yeah. And he's going to bring to the forefront what is really going to make. And I believe these rallies are going to break numbers like we've never seen before compared to 2020 and 16. Well, from your mouth to God's ears. And by the way, one thing that does give me some optimism and by the way, optimism on behalf of, of Cece Davis, who is awesome. I love her. Yes. She's, she's amazing. And, and Mailor Zhang, I uh, love her to, to pieces as well. Uh, and these two of the hardest races in the United States for Republicans. But you have the situation where, where uh, Ilhan Omar, as you point out, almost lost to Don Samuels, a lifelong DFL linchpin. Um, uh, I mean, one of the most dominant DFL politicians 
in the history of North Minneapolis, uh, a tentpole politician. And that guy was sounding like Nelson Rockefeller talking about crime there. And that's how he, I mean, during his TV ads, he made all sorts of noises about, about supporting Build Back Battered and all that other crap. But it's, that was just trying, you know, he had to win the primary. He's got to get Democrats to vote for him. So I'll, I'll cut him some breaks there. But I mean, when he was actually out there on the North Side campaigning, he was talking about law and order. He was talking about police response times. He was talking about, he, he was talking Republican talk out there. And it's just like, uh, as we all know, Donald Trump got better numbers among uh, African-Americans than any Republican since 1960, Richard Nixon's first run. And he got the best numbers we've seen among Latinos probably ever. And as of a few months ago, uh, Latinos are, which used to, who used to be D plus 20, are now D plus three, almost a statistical tie. And that has got to be giving the likes of Cece and, and Mayor Jean some hope and giving uh, Governor Klink <laughs> Uh, some indigestion uh, with all that fair food he's been chowing down on here. Uh, because one thing we know here in Minnesota, you may, you may not have heard this, but one thing that's been calculated for quite some time, if the DFL's vote here in Minnesota ever drops in the inner city, in, 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 in CD4 and CD5, you know, yes. Minneapolis and St. Paul, drops below, 40%, uh, drops below 60%. If the GOP gets above 50, uh, 40% of the vote in either in, in the Twin Cities, the DFL will never win another statewide race. And so that means if the Mon vote, the Latino vote, and the African-American vote flake away more than they already have, if public safety and the economy and schools for all of those uh, minority children, which by the way, lag the rest of the state pretty drastically, uh, if, if they can be convinced that the DFL uh, the Democratic Party nationwide is basically treating them as a bunch of votes on the hoof without delivering on any of those things, on safety for the kids, on not having the kids shot as they're doing their homework, on not having their schools be t 20 points worse than the schools in Edina. Uh, God, God bless CC and May. I hope they win. But even if they get to 40%, that will cause a shocking of the world here in Minnesota that will make Jesse Ventura look like a in the breeze. And that I'm looking forward to. I see it happening. Uh, I, I admire your optimism. I, I look forward to being surprised. I look forward to sitting on the air on election night and having my head go swimming again and saying, boy, someone dropped acid into my Diet Coke. Bella, I hope you're right. <laughs> well, I've been right about a lot of things. And just I'll like, <laughs> well, you know, just like I said, you know, from 2010 to 2015, I never gave up hope. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's just, there's a resilience about, you know, this country's been through so much. Mm -hmm. And when, we, you know, when for Donald Trump to be able to have won and then for this administration to come in and destroy things so quickly. Yeah. You know, this is not what Americans voted for. I mean, it was an emo so there's so many components to to the 2020 um election. So there was a lot of emotional voting, there was a lot of bad man orange man um voting. Mm -hmm. Then there was just plainly I just don't want him again. And then there was a big percentage that said, well, you know, I I remember I I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with a, a young gal that said that um she voted for Biden because of his performance as vice president. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. Sorry. I'm sorry. So whatever, so whatever your rationalization, if you did vote for him, you're suffering along with all of us as you're going to the pump, as you're going to the grocery store, as you're avoiding vacations, as you're hoping that you're hanging on to your job, all these things that we never had to worry about, and certainly not even to this level during Obama's reign of terror in this country. So that's why my hope and optimism is that the American people, we are a changed society. We have a, we are, we know and understand a whole lot more. And when you look at the state of Minnesota, being in support of these anti-establishment, hard-hitting, you know, blue-collar like speaking, and I say blue-collar because they are not the self-bloviated politicians that are just throwing a bunch of hot wind up our skirts to get our votes. Mm -hmm. They are really standing on principle and platform and campaign and policy. And they're all hitting on the same economy, energy, 
and law and order. And it's ringing to the American people. And that's what we are craving. And that's what we're wanting because people are looking and they're saying, where is my country? Where is my God? Where is my leader? I, 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 I know a lot of the same people that you're talking with, Bella. I mean, I grew up in rural North Dakota. I know how people out there are. And I also live in the midway of St. Paul, and I see how the other side is. And it's it, and, and throwing this, this God and country and economy stuff in some of these, at these Sandy Pappas voters is a little bit like putting water on the Wicked Witch of the West at the end of, uh, at the end of Wizard of Oz. You just kind of see them steaming and melting away in, 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 in a ball of rage. So yeah, from your mouth to God's ears, he's hoping. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're, and, and it's one of those things where, I can see if everything breaks exactly right, uh, the, the world getting shocked here. I can see if Scott Jensen catches the imagination of an awful lot of middle Minnesotans who are he will. felt beaten down. Well, here's again from your mouth to God's ears. I will. Uh, I think. I think Scott. I think he's got a better chance than any Republican since Tim Pawlenty has had. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I should say any any Republican since Tom Emmer has had because Tom Emmer. Were it not for, and this is, by the way, one of the things I just love about this election, hearing Democrats whining about there being, about Republicans supporting the two legal marijuana parties who are overwhelmingly taking votes away from them. I th it's like, hey, that's not fair. It's just like, uh, you ponied up money to put Tom Horner in for governor, a fake Republican who is probably to the, who was probably to the left of Mark Dayton on a lot of issues, but he ran as a Republican for people who were worried about the, the angry Tom Emmer. I just thought you did not win that election. You, 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 you fooled a bunch of gullible Arnie Carlson Republicans into not voting for Tom Emmer. And that election was decided by 8,000 votes. Uh, that there was, it wasn't stolen. It was lost to subterfuge. No more. That's all. And this is the best chance I've seen. A lot of things got to, my humble opinion, a lot of things got to break right for Scott Jensen and Matt Burke to win this thing. I think they are running a smart enough campaign to find those opportunities to make things break right. Fingers crossed. Prayers up. <laughs> I agree with you on, on everything. And you know, we've actually hit the top of the hour. Yeah. And uh, I, tell everybody where they can find you. You've got your show on Saturdays. I'm on AM 1280 The Patriot or and, and from 1 to 3 every Saturday. Also FM 107.5 in the West Metro or live streaming at am1280thepatriot.com. And of course, five days a week, I write my blog, shotinthedark.info, which is sort of my show prep, along with my co-writers, uh, Mr. D, Mark, uh, K uh, Jeff Kuba, and, uh, and the first ringer, uh, who, with whom I have a big announcement coming up uh, later on this month, uh, as if the election isn't enough. <laughs> so that's, that's everything you need to know about. Well, thanks for joining and playing ball. This has been a great show, and I look forward to our next one. Oh, thank you. No, this has been a lot of fun. And by the way, you can find the Bella D'Angelo Show at thebelladangeloshow.com, the website. You can also find the show on every platform that podcasts are found. So I'm going to wrap it up and say thanks, uh, Mitch, and looking forward to the next show. Thank you. Talk to you later. We are going to say good night, God bless, God bless America, and ciao for now.